Welcome, I'm Pastor Abraham, and I want to thank you for tuning in to Sun Valley Podcast. You can check out our church on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube for worship thoughts, devotionals, and the latest events happening at our church. We hope you are blessed by this week's message. So, how many here are kind of used to uh, some new equipment these days? I'm starting to realize that people are getting several of these, like ties, and so they can have matching wardrobes and stuff like that. In fact, yesterday I was wearing black and gray and white, and uh, when I came into Bridgeway to pick something up, everybody said, boy, you're really coordinated with that mask today, Don. Oh, I never thought of it that way. Anybody getting used to it? I'm so used to it now that I go for a drink of water and I, oops, forgot to move my mask. So, um, last September, middle of September when I was speaking here, I came to church Sabbath morning and I said, I had a dream last night, and the dream was that I should write a book. And by the time I got out of bed in the morning, I had the title of the book. And I announced that it'd probably take me about five years. Last week, the publisher said it's ready for printing. I just like, whoa. And I just have to thank people like Doug Devonett. She's really been a good consultant, and, and Bruce Boyd, and my wife. It's just been amazing support. But it's finished, and I can start relaxing now. So my passion in my book and my passion for in my sermons is always this theme, the law of freedom and love. There's no love unless you have freedom. And I'm going to come back to that again today with this topic of no regrets. I don't know if you remember this news report a number of years ago, but even after the news report, it was on an Oprah show, which I didn't watch, but I heard it was on there. It happened to a family, simple little thing, but a big thing. It was the wife's routine to take the child to daycare every day, and, uh, but she had an appointment, a doctor's appointment or something like that, and so she asked her husband if he could drop the baby off at the daycare on his way to work. Oh yeah, I'll do that. And he got in his car, put the baby, sit, baby in the back seat in, a, in the little, uh, car seat, tied him in there, and baby went to sleep, and robotically he arrives at work, goes, parks in the parking lot, and goes into his office. Later in the day, some police come to him to announce that his baby's died because of heat. How do you live with that? How do you find a way out of that? And as Oprah said, Forgiveness. It's the only way. So we're talking about regrets today. And I know if you just would take some time to reflect on your life and the years and the days that have gone by, I'm sure you have some small regrets and some big regrets because you've made some small choices and some big choices. And then there's those small choices that turned out to be actually big choices. And you... When you think about that, you just go, how can I get rid of some of this stuff, this baggage? How many have regrets? We all do. It's part of living. We have regrets. Some, maybe you dated the wrong person. Maybe you took the wrong job. Maybe you made some poor financial decisions. Maybe you yelled at someone. Maybe you hurt someone. Maybe you wounded someone. Maybe you should have spoke up at a time when you, you just didn't speak up. 
and you have these regrets. Now, we all are familiar with regrets. And there are days that I'm sure every one of us would want to do over again if we could. I can recall one day. I was in college. And uh, I didn't think it was going to be the kind of day it turned out to be. I woke up innocently. I'm, I'm cleaning my, my glasses back in the early 70s. You know, they were plastic frames. And I was a little bit too rough with them, I guess. And I bust them right, right there. And, you know, put tape there and they would just sag. And I'm going to, okay, how am I going to go today? So I just threw them down and said, well, after, the, after Sabbath, I'll have to find some place to get some new glasses. And I went to church, and then I was working in the cafeteria in the, for lunchtime, and they sent me in to do something that I wasn't really used to. I had to take the vegetables that were cooked out of the steamer. I didn't know much about those steamers, but I learned a lot in five seconds. When you open them up, I burnt, I burnt my hand, and it was so bad. I, was, I had my hand all bandaged now. I had no glasses. And my girlfriend says, let's go for a drive in the mountains this afternoon. I says, okay, I need something to cheer me up. So it's her car. She's got this, uh, you know, BW, VW uh, Beetle. And um, we go, we're driving around these little country roads. And, and she says, uh, you want to drive? And I says, I don't have a license. You know that. And she says, well, we're in the country. You know, we're just out in the boonies here. Why don't you drive? Try driving. Okay. I forgot I wasn't wearing my glasses. And I came around a corner and I hit ice. And I haven't driven before. Seriously. And I hit the brakes, which didn't help. And we went off a cliff. A cliff. And fortunately, or unfortunately, I don't know which, it was shaped like an egg, you know, the beetle. And it just kept rolling head over heels. I don't know how many times it rolled, but we rolled a lot. And we were seat belted in, of course. We ended up upside down, and the only way out, because everything was squished, was through a broken window. And then we had to climb back up this cliff, which wasn't even easy. I don't even know what happened after that. I mean, it's just, I was so upset. I was to I'm totally blank. I don't remember anything after that. We had no cell phones, that's for sure. We were in the boonies, that's for sure. I, anyway, we made it home, and, and for some reason, I thought, I don't know if it was one of my teachers that said it or one of my textbooks that said it, but somewhere in those psychology courses I was taking, it said something like this. When you have a really bad day, tell yourself you'll be laughing at yourself in five years from now. I wasn't laughing. But I, had, I just kept telling myself, in five years from now, I'll be laughing. In five years from now, I'll be laughing. But I'd go back to crying. <sighs> but you know, five years later, I had a good laugh. And I can laugh about it now. It's hilarious. But it wasn't at the time. And we've all had those days, have we not? Regrets? So, I'm not a golfer. I'm not a golfer, but I know enough about golfing that there's something like this. If you just happen to be playing with some very kind people, they might give you a mulligan if you blow it. See, a mulligan is, is when you, like, you know, like, you shoot, you, you hit that ball, and it's flying through the air, just in the direction you want it to go. And then it takes a sharp right-hand turn without signaling and goes in a pond. Now, that's going to cost you a lot of points. Unless one of those kind people says, Don, take a mulligan. That means you can start all over again at that hole and do it again, right? That's a mulligan. And I think we've all 
needed mulligans at times. We can all, we can all uh, start over. It would be so nice to start over sometimes. Like maybe you get pulled over by a policeman and he's sitting there writing a ticket and then you say, oh, sir, could I have a mulligan today? And he says, oh, why not? And he rips it up, right? Or you get called into the bank because you wrote a big check that bounced and you don't even have any funds to cover it. And you say, can I have a mulligan? And the bank says, oh, Don, we'll pay for it this time. No problem. Or you buy a house and the market crashes and the price goes down. You go back to the real estate and say, can I have a mulligan? Can, can, I'll give you the house back. You'll give me my money back. Sure, Don, whatever you say. Wouldn't it be nice? Or maybe just call up the government and say, can I have a mulligan and not pay taxes this year? Oh, go ahead. It doesn't work that way. It just doesn't work that way in real life. The truth is we all need mulligans, so lots of mulligans. We wound people, we hurt people. And we can't take it back. We can't take it back. Maybe we do a dishonest business transaction and we live with a cancer of dishonesty, just eating us out from the inside. Maybe you failed at something. Maybe you failed at a marriage. Maybe you failed at parenting. Maybe you developed an addiction and you would just like to stop and start all over again and not use, not, not even take that first one. You'd just like a mulligan because you need one so badly. And one mulligan's not enough for us. We need like multiple, multiple mulligans. Like maybe I'm playing some, with some really kind people and I take a mulligan on the first hole of the golf course and then I take another one on the second hole and then I, they give me another one on the third hole. Well, by now, the game has absolutely no uh, relevance at all. I mean, really, what's, what's the deal, right? It's, it's nothing I can brag about. And if I, should, if I should come out at the end, I can't, and I win, I can't say, oh, I'm the best golfer, I'm a good golfer. I can't say that. Especially when I've taken more than four mulligans within the first four holes. It doesn't work that way. It just doesn't, you know, life is not like a game. If I want to play golf that way, I can choose to play that way. Right? I could choose to play that way. But really, in the end, there's no integrity to the game. We all know this. We all know this. Like if, if I was going to play, say, Tiger Woods, and I picked Tiger Woods because I don't know much about golf, but I know Tiger Woods. He's a really great golfer. In fact, when I, when I looked him up, he's still the best. He, had, he has a record of 281 weeks of being the top golfer in the world. 281 weeks in a row. And he has a total of 683 weeks of being the best golfer in the world. Do the math, that's almost 14 years for one person. So he's holding it. But if I'm playing Tiger Woods and he gives me a couple of mulligans, the integrity of the game is shot. What's, it doesn't mean anything, does it? And we know that, we know that deep down inside that we reap what we sow. We know that there's a place for justice and fairness in this world. I mean, if God is any kind of God at all, there has to be justice. I mean, if there's no justice, what's it about anyway? It doesn't make sense if there's no fairness and justice in this world. You know, we keep score. We keep score when it comes to things like Adolf Hitler. Right? We keep score. I mean, is God going to say to Adolf Hitler, well, you know, you're responsible for 30 million people's deaths, but let's just forget it. Let's just pretend it never happened. Is that how it works? It seems pretty harsh, doesn't it? 
I mean, we keep score when it comes to the Nazi prison camps, the Dachas and Auschwitzes. We keep score when it comes to the, the uh, Tiananmen, Tiananmen, squares, Tiananmen squares in China. We, we keep score when it comes to the 9-11s, or the Gabriel Wartmans who killed people in Nova Scotia, or the George Floyds. We keep score. We know it matters. It matters, and people are counting. Someone's counting. And the Bible talks about this. It says that we're going to have to give an account one day. Give an account. We know that deep down inside. It, it has to be so, because what, what would life be like? It was just one big laugh. So the question then comes, who's going to make the cut? And I think most people kind of have this, this idea that God's going to kind of grave on the curve. Didn't you just love the curve? Especially when you got like a, a grade in the high 60s maybe. And uh, on a master's degree, that's like an F. And then you discover you got the highest grade in the class. And now you're, now you're grinning because you know what's going to happen. Teacher's going to go 65 and above is an A, 60 to 65 is a B, and you're going to make it. Is, is that how God operates? I don't think so. It can't, he can't operate that way. You know, like, let's, let's say you're standing in line and, and, and you're, you're, you're going, oh my goodness, am I ever lucky? Saddam Hussein's right in front of me. By the time they're done with him, I'm going to look like a poster child. But what if you're behind Mother Teresa? Ain't going to work that way, right? Well, the scripture says in Romans 3.23 that all, all, everyone, all have sinned. Everyone. And it says in the next verse, in Romans, it says, the wages of sin is death. Wages of sin is death. Everybody sinned. We're all going to die. No curve. There's no curve. It doesn't work that way. It's pass-fail. It's a pass-fail, except 100%. It's pass, and 99.99 is a fail. Oh, I don't know. Anybody's even going to get that close, seriously. How can, in a fallen world, God do it anyway? And how, in a fallen world, are we going to get through? I mean, seriously, I have to sometimes ask myself, or ask God even, God, it isn't fair that I had to be born in this world with Satan and his temptations. I could have been born on planet X and some other solar system somewhere in the universe, and I'd be just fine. It's not fair, God. Not fair. But then I think about Revelation 12, and it says, And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels waging war with the dragon. The dragon, his angels waged war, and they were not strong enough, and there was no longer a place found for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old, who is called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And I think, hmm, God, couldn't you at least put him in a cage? Why'd you have to put him down here? Is that fair? I love this illustration. I've used it before. I'll use it again because to me it makes all the sense in the world. I'm having an argument with somebody, and I'm, I'm sure I'm right, and I'm 
I am right on this, and here's why. And the other person says, no, Don, you're, you're wrong. It's this way. And I said, no, 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 it's this way. I'm right, you're wrong. No, Don, I'm right, you're wrong. And this goes on, and you're sitting there watching me and us have this fight. And I take out a gun and shoot him, and I say, I'm right, aren't I? And what do you say? Yes, sir. And we don't have love anymore. We have fear. We only have fear in this universe. So if God does this to Satan, now I've lived in a communist country, and uh, it was interesting. I had to get used to it. Very strange things. Like in this country, there were no TVs. TVs were not allowed. If you got caught with a TV, you know, you can get them by satellite. You get TV sa satellite TVs. If you got caught with a TV, you'd go to jail. Now, that's what it was in the 70s. It was like the late 70s. I don't know what it's like there today in that country, but nevertheless, uh, Radio, one radio station in the entire country owned and run by the government. Yeah, no other, no other radio. So therefore, all the news was good news, truthful news. I heard about fake news before fake news was, was a thing. Like on the radio, they said, well, the reason why uh, we have no window glass in the country is because the world is not producing window glass. That's what they said. Nobody in the world is producing window glass. So that, well, that, then the people were sort of happy because, well, I guess if we can't buy new window glass, then nobody else can, so I guess that's just life. That's how they would live, because they're living up in the hills, and that's how it was. Well, another thing, as I discovered, is certain books you can't have in that country. You get caught with a certain book, you can get kicked out if you're an expatriate, or put in jail if you're a citizen. And one such book was Animal Farm, which is George Orwell's parody of communism, you know. Four feet good, two feet bad, that sort of thing. And then after, well, after the animals take control, it's four feet good, two feet bad, sorry, two feet, two feet bad, four feet, four feet good. And then after it was four feet good, two feet bad. Anyway, it's quite a story. We had to do it in high school, remember that? Maybe you didn't, but I did and if you get caught with or George Orwell's parody of communism, you can go to jail. Now, is that freedom? See, freedom means that you have the opportunity to look at the other side. You have a choice to read about communism if you're in a communist country, or read about communism if you're in a, a capitalist country, or read about capitalism if you're in a communist We have choices in freedom. Where there's freedom, we have choices. And they didn't have choices. And so I'm thinking, well, God put a, a book in a library. The library was the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and the book was Satan himself, the author of the book. And he said, Satan, you stay in this circle. If anybody wants to check you out, they can come and check you out. I'm given freedom. And we checked him out, and we bought into his lies, and we've been in trouble ever since. And each one of us has bought into the lies of Satan because we've had the choice to choose and not choose many times in our lives, and we've fallen for the lies. I look at it this way. Fact number one, God allowed Satan to be free and to be able to draw us, tempt us, suck us into sin. Fact number two, we all got sucked in. Fact number three, the most important fact, 
is God took responsibility for the decision to operate his universe on freedom and free choice. He took responsibility for all the bad stuff that came from people choosing bad stuff with their freedom. He, cho- he took responsibility. As a matter of fact, freedom doesn't just give you bad stuff, you know. Freedom gives you the best stuff at the same time. Freedom allows us to have what we call love. Because you cannot have love without freedom. It's just fear. That's all it is. You can't force anyone to love you. You have to have the freedom before you can have love. So God created freedom so we could have love. But at the same time, we had some bad stuff that came along. But it was our choice. So how did God take full responsibility for this decision? He took full responsibility on the cross. And Romans 6.23 says, the gift of God. Some versions even say the free gift, but is there, is there any other kind of gift? No, it's the, the gift is free. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, which is opposite to wages. You earn wages, but gifts are free, freely given. So he bore, Jesus bore our sin on the cross. He bore the consequences of his decision to allow freedom to reign, to allow Satan to have freedom, to allow us to have freedom. He took full responsibility on the cross. On the cross, on the cross, God freed us from every wrong decision. He freed us from every wrong decision. He bore our decisions on the cross. It killed him. Sin killed Jesus. And all of these decisions are irrelevant now to the final grade, the final score. They're all irrelevant. No matter what you've done, you've been freed from the pain. There's a word in the Bible. It's called justified. God looks at me, he treats me, justified, never sinned. Justified, never sinned. Wow. 1 Corinthians 5.21. For he has made him, that's Jesus, who knew no sin, to become sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Wow. Justified, never sinned. Jesus died just if he'd sinned himself. Back to Revelation. Revelation 12, 10 and 11 says, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of Christ for the accuser of our brothers, the devil, who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. Satan's been defeated. All those tricks and done. Defeated. You know, God's mulligan, God's mulligan, it's hard to describe it. So scripture, scripture uses a whole bunch of ways to describe it. Here's one in Psalms 103. As far as the east is from the west, 
so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Now, most of us are sitting there and going, uh, Don, if somebody goes east and somebody goes west, they're going to kind of run into each other in Dubai. It's 12 hours difference in Dubai. No, no, no. When these people were walking the earth, they had no idea about that. As far as they knew, you could walk east forever. And you could walk west forever because nobody's ever got to the end of it. So that's as far as you could possibly get forever. That's how they tried to describe how God takes our sins away from us. Another one, Isaiah 1.18, where the Bible says, Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, it's like the color of blood, right? They shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. There's another way to try to describe God's mulligan. Blood, ick, white as snow, purity, beautiful. I like this one. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. That doesn't mean to be afraid, by the way. Respect. They respect him. You know, those of you who fathers or even mothers, of course, you know this. I remember this one time. My wife and I had put the kids all to bed. We had our worship. They all got into bed. We just sit down to relax, have some quiet time in the evening together. And, and I, I go into the bathroom. I have to go to the bathroom. So I go in there and turn on the light. And somebody has emptied an entire humongous tube of toothpaste all over the mirror pictures and all kinds of crazy things. Kids are still up. I can still hear them giggling a bit. So I call them all upstairs and I show them in the bathroom and I says, okay, who did this? And everybody goes, not me, not me, not me, not me. And then Chris goes, Jody did. Jody's the youngest. She can, you know, you can pick on her because she's just the youngest. I didn't know. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. Yes, you did. Jody did. Jody did. Said, okay, wait, 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 wait. Let's just chill out here. Let's just not worry about it. Everybody go to bed. You know, we'll just not worry about it. Tomorrow we'll see what's up. Kids all go back to bed. My wife and I are in the living room. And then next thing you know, I felt like there's somebody there. And I turned, and there's Chris. He's standing there. His head's down like this. Chris, what are you doing? I did it. It was me. Oh, come on. Give him a hug. Chris, you're forgiven. Thanks for being honest. Just go to bed and see you in the morning, okay? We'll clean it up. Well, sometimes, you know, kids grow up to be teenagers and some of their little sins or mistakes are a little bit more pricey. Like, I bought this second car because cars that we could afford only had five seatbelts and I didn't want to get one of those big vans, so I got this, I just got another car. And that kind of solved two problems. One, we could split the family up and we went to church and places. But it also solved another problem. I could ride with the student driver of the year. And with four teenagers, there's like one coming up every year, right? And my wife could be safe and she could drive with the other kids in the good car. So I bought this, this, this car, a Volkswagen uh, Rabbit, I guess they call it, diesel. 
Yeah, but it was had its advantages, like I said. So we went, I forget why, but we took a trip to Vancouver, kind of a holiday or something. We put all four teenagers in the rabbit, and we, we alone were alone in the nice, big, comfortable car. Ha, ah, peace and quiet. We go to Vancouver, we have fun, we come back, two separate cars, we get home first. Where are the kids? Man, they should be here by now. Finally, eventually, we get a call. Dad, I think we forgot to check the oil, and the engine blew up. Can you come get us? Yes. Sometimes these kids create financial problems and headaches. But you know what? I'm their father. I'm their father. I'm not going to hold that over them. As far as I'm concerned, and I know some of you are listening, don't try this at home, kids. My kids could do anything, and I'd still love them and forgive them. Anything. Because I'm their father. And that's what God says, and I think that's why he chooses this word, father, like a father to his children. That's what it's all about. 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Forgive us for everything. Wow. Now, there's a lot of Christians. In fact, I think every Christian is familiar with this one, this text right here. But you know what? There's a lot of Christians that are wandering around feeling guilty and shameful for the things they've done. Even though they've confessed them over and over and over and over, they're still walking around carrying guilt and shame and feeling really regretful. It's sad, isn't it? I want to do a little experiment. So those of you who are here can do this, but so... You people at home can do this. Uh, find a partner, but if there's a, a, th a three, just, you can still do it. Put two in one group and one in the other group. And so here's what I want you to do. One of you, of the pair, or of the three, turn to the other or the others, and I want you to say this. God has forgiven you. Go ahead. Now, I want the other person to reply back, God has forgiven me. Now let's flip that. Let's flip that. The other person, now you tell your partner, God has forgiven you. Go ahead. And now the other person reply, God has forgiven me. Then everybody, I want you to turn and say all at once, I forgive myself. Say it out loud. I forgive now I've done this. I've done this little experiment a lot of times in some of my workshops. And uh, then I ask the people, I'll say, what was easiest to say? God has forgiven you, God has forgiven me, or I forgive myself. And pretty much across the board I get, it's easier to say God has forgiven you. And the most difficult thing to say is I forgive myself. But here's the deal, guys. If God has forgiven you, who are you to say, I don't believe that, you're a liar, and I'm not going to forgive myself? You get it? Who are you to not say, I forgive myself? God has already forgiven you. No regrets. No regrets. 